Hey firecrackers, it's Naomi and welcome to the firecracker department. Here I am. It's minus 20. Okay, it's minus 20. I don't know where you are, but minus 20 wherever you are is cold. I'm in the studio and it takes a while for this place to heat up and um, I don't have that kind of time. <laughs> so I'm wearing my jacket. Like, you could hear my jacket. I'm just saying. I'm dedicated, okay? I'm bringing you this intro as cold as I am. If you start hearing my teeth chattering, just ignore it and push on through, okay? It's gonna get warmer. It has to. Now, this month, January 2021, I can't believe that year, I'm even saying that year out loud, but the uh, Firecracker Department team and I have been having some really big discussions and we're talking about the way we run, the way we have been running, and the way we want to run in the future. And I have to say, gosh, the minds of the Firecracker core team are just incredible. And that paired with those hearts makes me feel like anything's possible. So we have some really great things coming up. Uh, a couple of the things that have come back in feedback is that People want to hear more about me. It's such a weird thing to say. They want to hear more about what my world is like. And uh, I have to say, you know, when we started this podcast, I cut so much of myself out of the interviews because I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about the people that I am having on the show. And so often I'll tell a story in order to lead into something that they want to say. And then Sid and Winnie and I will cut them out because I just feel like I want to focus on them. So that being said, I also want you to know who I am and I want to get to know who you are. And I feel like that's what is going to make our community strong and stronger is the more that we can connect to each other. So I thought this was an appropriate time to dive a little bit deeper because I'm talking to Joe Vanicola and we talked about our dads, our pops. And because my father passed away December 18th and it was, I mean, like any, any death, I think. And you'll hear this with the discussion that Joe and I have with any death, it, it rocks your world. It's a, uh, it's huge. My father was diagnosed with cancer um, a year before he passed away and he was given 12 months to five years. And so in my brain, I'm thinking, well, he's got five years. <laughs> I'm, I'm a positive looking person. I'm thinking five years. And so Matt, my husband and I moved back from Los Angeles in June and we thought we'd set things up for him, make sure that his appointments are all on, on schedule and that he was okay. And then, you know, go back because COVID would be over by then. Well, well, guess what? COVID is definitely not over. And when we moved my father to our little cottage, which is north of Toronto in Canada, we realized that we didn't have five years. And we just, I don't know, set about making that time as best as we could. Uh, I'm still reflecting a lot about that time and I probably will continue for the rest of my own life. Um, it wasn't easy. <laughs> it was really challenging on so many levels, on my heart and on my energy. Um, it was Matt and I, 24 hours a day, sort of figuring out what he needed. And for the most part, gosh, my father's, he's strong. He's like a, you know, he jogged up until he was in his late 70s every day. And um, so there wasn't like a lot of that kind of caregiving, but it was trying to find out what he needed, which was, uh, which was challenging. I didn't know how to give him what he needed to help him along in that journey. So that that was tough. 
But I'll tell you, there was some magic. Like, I mean, it's everything. I think death is everything. I think it's beautiful and it's challenging. It's magical and it's uh, hard. But, but at the end of the day, I, I got to spend a lot of time with my father in the last six months of his life. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. I was able to sit with him as he passed away. And that was, which was one of the most profound moments of my life. My mother had passed away uh, earlier that year, February. So I lost both my parents in 2020. So not easy, not easy. And as I said, I'm kind of reflecting and I will continue to reflect. And um, this week's been okay as far as grieving goes. You know, I've, I've delved into some great discussions with the firecracker department and that's been really exciting and positive. So that's filled my heart up. And then every once in a while, you know, something will come up, like I'll have to deal with his, like his home or his stuff. And I'm avoiding it because I don't want to admit that he's gone. So that's hard, but it's part of it, right? Like I kind of feel like the more we talk about death, the less, I don't know, daunting it is. And uh, we're all gonna do it. So I feel like if we can talk about it now, it'll be easier when we're faced with it. Um, I don't know, I don't know about life after death. You know, I, I've decided to believe that there is life after death because there may as well be, just as much as there may as well not be. So I'm gonna believe in it, for me personally, that there's gonna be one day where I hang out with my mom and my pop and, and we have some laughs and we're together again. That sounds pretty great right now to me. So yeah, so that's where I am. As I said, it's a bit of a wave and if anybody is dealing with grief, I feel you. And uh, I understand that wave of like, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay. Nope, nope, today's not a good day. And then the next day, I'm okay today, nope. You know, it's hour to hour sometimes, it's day to day, but um, I do know the thing that helps me the most is feeling grateful and the gratitude that I had the time I did with both my parents and the things that they left me with, which are so numerous that, uh, I can't even begin, I can't even begin to spell out. But as I said, if you're dealing with grief and you're listening to this, I feel you and um, hang in there. And um, yeah, reach out, reach out if you need me, if you need friends, Firecracker Department's always here for you. Now, let's do a little bit of Firecracker shouting outing. <laughs> I don't think that's the way that's gonna ring. Let's do some Firecracker shout outs. Let's show some gratitude for the things in our world. I, first of all, I have to tell you, we had such a great script department reading yesterday. If you haven't come to any of our script department readings, they are four times a year. Go to our website to find out all the information about how to submit your scripts, how to submit as an actor who reads, uh, how to just be part of it as an audience member. It was so great. Farah Marani, Lauren Shell, and Tanu Ravi hosted the event and they just did a kick-ass job. Lisa Lafferty and Rebecca Marquardt are also on the team. And I have to say, um, with people like that together, I, it's just so powerful. You feel like anything's possible when you see how we're all coming together to create something like the script department. So, uh, so reach out, as I said, if you're a writer, actor, or an audience member. Now, shouting out two other folks that I have to just give kudos to. Saba Dolati and Francesca Coviello. 
are our new firecracker department interns. What, we have an intern department? Yeah, we do. Oh my gosh, these two humans are so incredible and they have come on board to not only support firecracker department, but also get some work placement experience and I mean, I feel like we're the winners in this because Fran and Saba are just extraordinary people. They're coming on to support, but you just watch them because they are gonna create amazing things in the future. So shout out to Fran and Saba, our firecracker intern department. Okay, now I have to say our guest today is Emmy award-winning actor, author, advocate, screenwriter, beautiful human being, Joe Vanacola, as I said. Now Joe has been acting in the industry for years. Most recently been in Slasher on Netflix, CBC's Street Legal reboot, Stonewall, and ages ago, Being Erica. Now we didn't actually meet on Being Erica because I was on that show as well, but I'm a fan. I'm just a fan of Joe and you can hear it in my voice when I'm speaking in my interview. Yeah, I'm just cuckoo for Joe. Uh, they're the founder and chair of Out Actra TO, the LGBTQ plus committee at Actra Toronto, and the founder of Youth Out Loud, a nonprofit dedicated to raising awareness about child abuse. So Joe's memoir, All We Knew But Couldn't Say, was released in June 2019, and get a load of this, 2020, already shortlisted for the nonfiction Kobo Emerging Writer Prize. Right? They're kicking it! Our Firecrack Department producer, Sydney Nielsen, interviewed Joe at our virtual TIFF party red carpet last year, which you can watch BTW anytime on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash firecrackerdept, along with the rest of the red carpet interviews. And we're going to have all of those on our YouTube channel so that you can access all the firecracker magic you need. Now, we've been trying to have this chat, Joe and I, for a month, but as I said, uh, their dad passed away and then my pop passed away and it was this really weird time. We definitely had different relationships with our fathers, but we're both dealing with death in different ways. And I have to say, Joe sent me a little email when my pop passed away. And, and you know, I don't even know Joe that well, but they are just somebody that can reach out and hit your heart and you feel like they care and that they're looking after you a little bit and it, that's an extraordinary power. So I'm super grateful for that. We talk about all this in the interview and I also talk about how much I've just loved their work forever and that I finally get to sit down with them and speak about everything. Oh, honestly, I say that we can always talk forever with these interviews, but I could because everybody's so interesting and I, I always end discussions with more questions that I didn't get to ask. So follow-ups, we're gonna have to do follow-ups. Joe's pronouns are they and them, and I have to say, I'm working at that. I am working hard, and I did make a few mistakes during our chat, and I thought, should I edit that out? Should I just try to like cut around my mistakes? And I thought, no, you know what? I'm gonna leave it in and leave the interview as it was, because we talked about it, Joe and I, and you know, we're all learning. Um, I, I'm continually learning to use better pronouns to make people feel more included or more seen. That's so important to me. And so I'd rather make the mistake and correct myself than not even try. So when we do mispronoun or make a mistake, anybody, like any of you are trying to use the correct pronouns for folks, keep going because we're gonna get better. It's gonna get easier and it's gonna become second nature. And then the world is gonna be just even better. So keep going. And I so appreciate Joe for being okay with those mistakes because that makes a difference too. 
And as I said, Joe and I talk about pronouns, gender neutral greetings, their social justice work, creating during pandemic times, toxic positivity, and oh my gosh, so much more. Just such a delight to speak with Joe and such a breath of fresh air. You know, these interviews that I do, uh, you know, they're, I research and I get ready and uh, they take a lot of energy. And then when I sit down with somebody like Joe, I'm like, oh, but so much energy came back my way. I'm just grateful. I've used that word too much, but I am. Joe's just an incredible person. So let's get to it. Without further ado, here's my interview with Joe Venicola. Something I see and have seen in you from your work until like in all your publicity and everything that you do publicly is you seem like one of the most eternally optimistic people for like being in the trenches of grubbiness and dirt and, and suffering seem to find optimism somehow. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, I, I have the gamut of, of, of emotions and the range of like the pits of hell to the, the, the mountaintop and extreme silliness and joy. Like, I think I live like a really full human emotional life, yeah. but I do find humor in, in the tragedy. <laughs> and sometimes I find, you know, uh, great moments of emotional response to the smallest thing. So I don't know if that makes me mentally ill. I don't think so. <laughs> I think I don't it think just... It's coping, right? <laughs> well, it's coping, but also it's like being in touch with every part of my being, which kind of is, is a great thing, I think, because, you know, when I was younger, I wasn't. I just lived in different boxes and different worlds and, yeah. you know, the, all of my different identities and emotional realities couldn't converge because of living in the world that we live in but now it's a whole other yeah. other thing i don't know if the, any of that makes sense but yeah you know what it just does because i think that it's everything like like i don't know why maybe we all try to compartmentalize things so that it can be much more um manageable but mm -hmm. like you know when people found out that my father had died it was like the most beautiful and profound thing and the most frustrating and challenging like it's everything COVID is everything and it's okay to have everything it's okay to have humor next to grief yeah absolutely humor. yeah i i agree with you i uh i, I mean my, my father was a violent guy uh growing up and uh you know a scary guy as a child and uh an absent and non responsive parent so he wasn't a parent at all and he had every horrible thing going for him he was racist he was homophobic he was a misogynist he was all those horrible things and in the end of his life he became you know he had dementia and he was like a toddler and he was kind to everybody and I was like oh my god who's this human being <laughs> yes what a mind f yeah <laughs> But there was sort of a, there was a lot of humor in that too. <laughs> so, and also a little bit of, I don't know, maybe you could say grace, and I don't mean that in a religious sense, but just that you could see somebody who was such an awful man uh, in dementia and old age seem like a gentleman. And uh, that, that was yeah. a kinder way to watch him die, even though that sounds strange as well, but it just felt- no, That makes sense to me easier uh, than dealing with yeah. an old monster, I should say, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, that must have left you with memories that were more manageable than your childhood memories. 
Yes, and also um, that he was kind of funny. Uh, in, in you know, he made people laugh too. Um, yeah. So it's it's weird, right? <laughs> like to see that because that internal child it's wants just... wants to pop him in the face <laughs> for all those years, right. but then right, you can't do that, of course. <laughs> yeah. So... Yeah. What did you say? You had a quote saying that it's hard to um, it's hard to hate when somebody's dying. And yeah. I think that when somebody's passing away, you kind of just go, oh, let's just let things go. Yeah. And I, I think because I'd spent the last few years running around organizing his old age life, like finding a place for him to live and, you know, doing all those things that people do, um, you know, and then I couldn't be there for the end to end because of COVID and he's in another province. So I, you know, it was it was a lot of years of back and forth dealing with his issues and his stuff and his health. And then in the end, I actually couldn't be there. And I thought, you know, I guess that's just the way it's supposed to be. So, you know, I know it's a lot of like, didn't you find yourself constantly making peace with whatever the universe was throwing at you? Yeah, you kind of have to, because there's things, there are things as humans, we can't control. We can't control COVID. We can't control life and death. We can't control our emotions or the way other people treat us. All we can do is be true in the moment and uh, do the best we can as people and hope that we're better somehow, I guess. Uh, for you, that might be different because you had such a great relationship to your dad. Um, but still challenging. Like, I love both my parents deeply and dearly, but we were human we, and we were family. So there were still challenges. And, yeah. you know, my father, when he was, there was a stage in his um, death where he got really um grumpy and angry with me yeah. and I was like oh I didn't see this coming I thought he'd just be like you know like put them in. you bring his cup of tea and he's drifted away right. but he was like pissed yeah because he was probably experiencing and feeling so many things that he likely maybe didn't even express I'm imagining or maybe he did and that was yeah, really hard exactly <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I mean, I have to say that when you, you just said like being true to like yourself in the moment, um, like I have known you and known of you for so long. I think I was first introduced uh, to your work through Unidentified Human Remains, the movie. Oh yeah. Which I know, but like, I have to say you have always represented to me somebody that is true and somebody that is true to yourself. And I remember watching your career going, oh, hey, she, she gets to be a tomboy. You know, or now and they and now I watch you and I'm like they they get to be a tomboy and I was like, I want to do that. I don't want to wear like prissy hair and high heels. I want to be Joe Vanicola version. So I watched your career and it suited my instincts of being more true to my instincts, which was like wearing jeans and just being comfortable. And I was so grateful for watching that because it made more sense to me. I, I'm, I'm, and knowing your past with your history of your childhood, I'd love to hear about like the landscape of your childhood, how, how you got to be so true to yourself. I think, well, I had two parents who were both uh, like abusive parents. Um, it doesn't mean that they didn't, you know, um, have moments of, of, of fun or whatever it is. Not, not my father so much, I have to say. There's no, no moments of fun with him. But there were, you know, moments of fun with my mother. So she wasn't just, you know, a horrible person, although her horrible was pretty horrible. <laughs> so like, you know, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, you know, she did some really awful things. Um, 
but I, I feel because I had left home so young at the age of 14 and I ended up you know, having to do a lot of uh, good or bad and it wasn't fun uh, reflection uh, and caretaking, self-caretaking and hard, hard work just to be mm-hmm. in the moment every day uh, and just to survive a day and get to the next one and get to the next one. Mm-hmm. And that taught me a lot. And it, you know, I think it was the resilience and it, it was a lot of years, a lot of hard years of surviving uh, as a teen and a young adult and then being in a public industry uh, and not knowing how to be, uh, you know, no one knew anything about my life as none of us really do in those, in those work environments. We show up where other characters, we're not even ourselves. <laughs> we see glimpses of the person on and off set, but we never really get to know each other as human beings. And we're so separated and I don't, and that stuff around gender and sexuality and, um, you know, it, it really, it, those are things we weren't used to talking about until now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even now it's like people are sort of navigating this new world of new pronouns where they're exercising muscles they've never been asked to exercise before. But I, I have to say, I fucking love it. Like I love hearing people make mistakes, correct themselves and then carry on because it's a sign that people are trying. Yeah, we're learning. And I, I, I make the same mistake too sometimes because I'm older now and I have, I'm constantly trying to retrain my own brain. But I just want to go back to something you said about gender and how you were, um, you know, you'd be like, I want to be like that. I'm like, that's what we should be able to be in our, in our yeah. lives and in our industry, regardless, right? regardless of how we identify. Like, yeah that the industry yeah. puts women into those boxes where they have to wear dresses and skirts and wear all the makeup and do the hair and show their boobs and walk a certain way and wear high heels. All of that is just objectification and it's bull crap. Mm-hmm. I mean, what women really want to be like that? I mean, not too many. Yeah. I mean, I do have friends that really love it. And I'm like, <laughs> tell me everything. What? Tell me what that world is like. But I do think there's like, you know, as you're growing up and for folks that might be listening to this, like there is a time where you're sort of figuring out your, your, your world, you know, and you sort of look to your peers, you look to your outside sources for that kind of guided guiding. And, you know, there was a time that I'm like, oh, maybe I do enjoy doing my hair every day. It lasted a week. Who's kidding who? But <laughs> the, you have to try it out. But looking at your, like, who were your, you have such strength and as I said optimism I'd love to hear like I know your sisters were huge influences in your life but who were your people around you that gave you that kind of confidence in yourself to not not only look after yourself but to forge into an industry well you know I was a child actor so I just kept going in the work that I understood and knew Um, and so it was like on the train and you know, there were a lot of destinations I didn't know where I, that I would, I would arrive to. And it was hard and difficult yeah. and scary because, you know, I didn't like the industry. I still don't. I find, I mean, I love being an artist and expression and writing and film and all of those things. Mm-hmm. I just, the business of it and the, the sort of, you know, patriarchal um, ob- objectification uh, and the power that a lot of men, straight, cis, white men, have had uh, has has definitely impacted all of our lives in ways that have not been good. And so I didn't know how hard it would be along the journey. Um, I just knew that I had to kept, keep fighting, not not just for myself, but 
but for other young women and young queer people and non-binary people and trans people who came behind me. That became an, at a young age, that was a really important message that I repeated in my head over and over and over again, like a mantra. I, I just felt connected to, to social justice issues and I just kept pushing. Mm -hmm. Do you think that comes from being uh, the, the youngest? Um, I think because I saw, you know, some some hard things happen to my eldest sisters, and um, but also I I was steeped in social justice work as a teen. It was part of my mm. life, and the things that I wrote mm -hmm. about and um, we did on stage, you know, as teens and with other teens, and it was sort of an unusual mm -hmm. uh, thing, but it was an important part of my journey, and it it helped me understand the broader issues. Uh, beyond my own life experience. So that really helped keep me in balance as well for, in some way, even though we were talking about very hard things, it just felt like I'm not the only one. Right, yeah, I mean, there's, it, it feels like in the adventure of life that there's a time where you choose path A or path B. Path A takes you into a dark place that is really, you know, and maybe you went there in depth, but it feels like you chose a different path that helped you I don't know, find your people and find your voice really early on. Yeah, and I think the thing is, is that, you know, people come and go all the time and they do in our industry. We work with people in six week stretches or one week stretches or a few months. Yeah. And, and sometimes we find people we love in that and that we hang on with them forever. But sometimes it's just moments of passing, whether it's a teacher or somebody who's an adult and older than you when you're a kid who teaches you something and it's beautiful and you remember those moments. And it's kind of like the thread, right? That keeps us all, um, you know, connected somehow. And, you know, the good people that kind of help you get from one moment to the next, even if they don't know they're, they're doing that. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. I love that. <laughs> A hundred percent. Like I think somebody said to me once that um, friends come along for a long time, a short time or an important time. And I, I, and it's important to let people go when you've had your time together too, but it could be in a blip. It could be a moment that you see, like you hear a song or you see something, you know, happen on the streets that changes your life if you're open to it. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I think in our industry, you know, a lot of women and, you know, people who are struggling around systemic oppression issues, whether you're a person of color or you're queer or, or you're female, we, we need, we need each other and we need hope and we need to sort of yeah. en envision and imagine better things. And I, mm. I think that's part of the drive for me, even when it's very, very hard. Oh man, I love that so much. I love <laughs> And I mean, I think that there's times in everybody's life when you kind of look around and go, oh, I've lost my hope. I thought I put it over here, but I can't find it anywhere. And I look back to your story with having a father that was cruel, just a very, uh, for whatever reason, he thought that was okay behavior. I, I mean, I, I don't know his mental, where he's coming from mentally and a mother that witnessed it. So made it okay. And somehow this little, Right, Joe Vanicola comes out and says, but there's still hope. And I'm, I'm <laughs> in awe of that because I think everybody goes through darkness. And so finding the hope. Yeah, is I mean, I did get a lot of therapy. 
<laughs> and I, I think, yeah. But that's great. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm grateful I had help right? along the way. I really needed it. I don't think I would have made it without because I was very, very depressed. And yeah. I don't, without help, yeah. I, uh, I just don't think I would have survived. So I got very lucky that I yeah. had really good helpers. And, and I think just reading words of people that inspire, sometimes those were civil rights activists or women Ooh. who work in, you know, social justice fields or politics, um, people who really inspired me. And I kind of made that part of my, my life to remember the words of those who came before me. And um, it sounds grand, but I really needed to do it. <laughs> it was, that's where I found hope. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause um, something you just said about like finding your, your finding support, finding like your therapist or whatever, that also has to come from a place of self-worth. Like mm -hmm. you have to say, like, I'm worthy of helping. And I, I'm like, I have a feeling with the upbringing that you had, that was a really challenging step to find that path and go, no, I, I need help. Cause I have something really important to say in the world. <laughs> I had a lot of important things to say. And when you're young and I was young when I started getting help, <laughs> not young now, but, but yeah. when I, when I reached out to get help, I was quite young. I was like 18 and uh, yeah. alone. Right. Because I was living on my own already, but you know, those four years of being on my own were, were hard years, <laughs> but I also had a public life yeah. and I didn't know what to do with all this anxiety and emotion and depression and artistry and youth uh you know it, yeah uh, so i i'm just really grateful that i had uh some very good help and and i i needed it because my brains felt a little scrambled like from a lot of yeah. um you know uh, i did hurt myself a lot when i was young right by making bad choices yeah. and taking you know drinking too much and literally hurting myself or taking too many drugs or having an eating disorder i mean all of those things were I could have died from any any one of those things and I didn't, I survived it. And mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's the truth about living is that some of us have, um, you know, some massive challenges and we can get through them even when we're in our darkest mm -hmm. moments and we don't think we can. And I, I think about the, that way in terms of politics, in terms of the world that we're in, we've just, we've just witnessed yeah. four years of torture in America, well, you know, we'll say um, with the tyrant running the country and there's a moment of breath today uh i don't know when this is going to air but you know just witnessing let's talk about the inauguration i love it you know witnessing energy of compassion and empathy and and love and boring kind perfect words that we haven't heard in over four years i just felt emotional <laughs> like seeing kamala harris and andrea gorman this young beautiful black poet with amazing words to share with everybody and just all of it, Lady Gaga and Jennifer Lopez and, yeah. you know, a, a, no, right. a nod to Shirley Chisholm, who ran to be, you know, president in 1972. I mean, just so many cool things that were brought to the stage today, uh, as well as a renewal, uh, words of renewal for hope and democracy and to be better tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, your career started like in 1988, as you said, you were a child actor with like, in like night heat. And it looks to me like you haven't, I mean, I know it's maybe not right, but like you haven't stopped working. It so was there like ever that. a time because, 
I know, right? Everybody's got different perceptions. Like, oh, Joe's got it all together. She's fantastic. She works all the time. But I think there's also, you know, the journey of being an actor. Did, did you falter? Did you, because it was chosen for you by your mother, right? She was like, I'm going to put all my energy into creating what I can't be through Joe. And then did you ever, were you ever able to step back and go, maybe I don't want to do this. Maybe I want to become a dentist. Yeah, never a dentist. <laughs> I mean, you could have been a no, no, who's kidding? Who? Nobody wants to be a dentist. Never wanted to be a dentist. Oh, gosh. oh God. Sorry, dentist. <laughs> Just really, no, no. But bless okay. them for doing their job. Um, yes. I, Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, um, you know, there were definitely lots of moments where I thought I, I don't want to be an actor anymore. But again, there's this drive for something better. Uh, to create something better around the corner, not just for me, but for other people, for the youth to follow me. And yeah. I just was never able to quit because I felt quitting would be um, in some way giving in to the, to the power uh, of, 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 of patriarchy and, and the male objectification of who mm. we all are. And I, I didn't want to walk away from something I wanted to change, um, knowing that it would be hard. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of how I felt. Yeah. Did you realize what a unique voice you were? Did you realize that you were going to represent a community that needed to, ha to have a voice? N not at all. Not, not along the path. I just, I just knew that I needed to do it for myself as well. Um, and I didn't want to give up because it felt like that would be too hard. I just felt like if I, if I gave mm -hmm. up, even during the hardest moments that I wouldn't, I don't know if I would recover from it. So it was important for me to keep going, even though sometimes there was nothing to go to. Uh, I had to tell myself to right. not stop. Uh, and, you know, that meant right. doing other things like, you know, getting a job here or there, or, you know, finding new skills or, you know, learning to write, which, you know, took me some time, but it, it all propelled me forward into uh, a place of empathy and uh, social justice as my root and my desire to be part of changing the culture that we live in so that my work life can also it, it get better, but so can those of people around me. That's why I'm a fan. I can see everything you're saying. There's no like, you're not stepping on a pedestal. This is just, this is your, just the way you live. It is the way I live. Yeah. <laughs> and it's not it's with wealth because, you know, something that people don't know is that even for, for LGBTQ writers and artists and creators and filmmakers, a lot of people live around or below the poverty line because there isn't enough employment. And oftentimes our jobs aren't played by us, given to us. We're not given any space. So you have to learn to take space. And that means you have to learn new skills. You have to learn to speak to people differently. You have to be strong. You have to create, you have to make mistakes. You have to be stupid and silly and smart and loving. And you have to be all those things. And you just got to keep going. It doesn't mean that your art, your craft yeah. is always going to be great. You know, like it's not, but that's, that's art. It's not perfect. We're storytellers. And so I just want to yeah. keep telling more and more stories and encouraging people, women and queers in particular, to keep going and not give up and not give up on your authentic self, because that's the self that's going to yeah. tell the best stories. Yeah, I mean, that's thrown around a lot, right? Be true to yourself, be uh, authentic. Do you remember, do you remember time? There's a great saying that I love in French called, and it's 
être, être bien dans votre peau. I don't remember it. your skin. Yeah, but it's a perfect, it's perfect, yeah. isn't it? I yeah. know. I love it so much, but I feel like it's a time when you're like, I feel like I am in the right place. I'm speaking authentically and being able to check in and go, oh, I'm, I'm in that place. Because I think people are always like, oh, just be yourself. And some people are like, I don't know who I am. Do you remember a time when you were like in, in your skin and felt good? Um, not when I was young. I never felt good in my skin. <laughs> I think no. because no, but of... like through that journey. Yeah, but only as an adult uh, did that begin to happen. And I don't mean young adult, I mean yeah. older adult, right? Like mid 30s, 40, 40s even, not even 30s. So that is the truth. It, it's it's taken a long time to kind of, kind of feel myself inside my body and and confident and brave and and okay. <laughs> it's a long it's a long haul, but but I'm up for it and I'm up for the rest, right? So cuz it cuz it isn't just yeah. for me. It, it isn't just about me. And, and I think that's, that's what inspires me really to keep, to keep going. And, and I love, I love branching out and learning new things and creating content. So for me, this is the next part of that journey, right? So I'm no, I will never quit acting. I'll always keep acting and I'm doing a lot of it over the next few months. So <laughs> like, okay, great. Um, yeah. but also shooting my own stuff because that's, um, yeah. that's what I like to and do. And then writing. And you, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, you and I are plate spinners, right? And we sort of spin one plate until either we get bored or it, it slows down and we start putting the other plate. And that's how I like living. It satisfies my various synapses. But when, when like, how do you know the way your voice wants to come out? Because your book, um, All We Knew But Couldn't Say, could have, could have started as a movie. It could have started as a series. And I probably, I mean, I would invest right now if you want to make me to sign on a dotted line to invest in any of those things because the book's so incredible i can I see just because i'm a visual person yeah i, I mean my, my my goal is for it to also be a movie and so there is someone right now who not somebody who's buying the rights but someone who believes in in that as well and who's a who's an agent and um who's taken it on to sort of think about where to send the book and 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 try to get that yeah off the ground so hopefully somebody will uh will produce it and and turn it into i think i think probably a film but it could be a miniseries it would just have to be flushed out a bit more but but that would be yeah. you know a really great goal for for that book i think everybody's got something to say and it comes out in different ways whether it's public speaking whether it's community work and your voice came out through art so when mm -hmm. did you know that's the way you wanted to speak I knew since I was a teenager that I wanted to write and I, I had always, I was always writing. Uh, I just never had a home outside. It was just for me, it was journaling, it was story writing or poetry or, you know, I was always writing something. And um, it took me a while to actually yeah. learn how to write because I, I didn't even graduate from high school. So there were a, a number of skills that I didn't actually have. So I took a lot of courses as an adult and tried to learn things I never had learned properly. Um, but I, I knew since I was quite young and, and that was also part of my goal to push through uh, and get it done, even though a lot of, there were a lot of odds and people said, yeah, I couldn't do it. Um, so it, it, it took a lot of grit and it took a few years for it to finally come to fruition. But now that it has, I, I've, I've got a different perspective and new confidence and it's like the doors are opening inside of me in a new way, which I'm grateful for mm. because I didn't anticipate 
So it's good. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm. I, I. You're just such a positive force. I mean, do. What are the days that you don't feel positive? What do those look like in Joe Vanicola's life? You know, they're hard. They're sad. You know, when I, when I, when I, particularly when I watch the news and what has been happening uh, around Black Lives Matter and the cops and insurgency and so much violence and hatred, um, that stuff impacts me every day. And I, I, me it makes me deep, yeah. deeply sad. Uh, so there's no other word for it. It's just, I find it really deeply emotional and draining. Um, and, but the flip side of that is like a day, day like today where you see hope and people who are not horrible. Um, and it, and it, it just reminds us of dignity and respect and humanity. And even if we don't agree on things or, you know, that there's a way to bridge our differences if we work at it. And I think that's what we really are challenged to, to do, whether we're artists or women or, or black or queer or even men in positions of power. We have to be willing to, to step aside and listen and make changes and be better with each other and for each other if we want our planet to survive and we want to thrive. Yeah. But that, bad days have, are sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. tell me more. Cause I think that that's so relatable. I think that, you know, we all have these perspectives of somebody like you who's, who's successful and I mean, from, I know it's not true, but from my perspective, Midas Touch, like, oh, I'm going to write a book, bestseller. Oh, I'm going to do a show, Emmy Award. Like, it's just like, but I know that's not true. So having that kind of introspection of like, how do we get through those days? Because those are like, I think that whenever we're sad, we think it's going to last forever. And when we're victorious, we think, oh, this isn't going to last forever. But why don't we flip it? How do you, how do you, how do you get through it? I do think that because we're human, we're not all, oh, like blessings with a glorious day every day, because that feels like hollow and not real. Because if you're human and you're living during this time, you know that not everything is a blessing every day. I think it's just not. So okay, how do you get accused of being too positive? Never. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is <laughs> okay all right that is That's not fair. my mo <laughs> i just think like i read i read what you say i see what you're how you're living and i'm like she chooses the half full and that's my gym too. I'm not saying that life isn't hard. <laughs> yeah. But my strategy is through positivity because that's like i want that. I'm not gonna yeah. And I, I think that, that it's important to be positive, but it's also important to be real, right? And it's important to acknowledge the things yes, that are happening agreed. when they're happening. So whether it's somebody dying and acknowledging their life or, you know, exposing, you know, stuff around having an eating disorder or, you know, ch you know, being a child survivor of abuse or, you know, whatever these things are that many of us do and share, which I did in my memoir. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff in there that is very, very personal and intimate and and so, uh, so deep, I, I guess, or traumatizing that I kind of walk the reader through. And, um, you know, like my thing is you just have to keep working really, really hard and you have to try your best to, to fight your own demons, but also the demons that try to oppress and, and knock us down. And, you know, the mm -hmm. best, the end result of that is a triumph when, when good things happen. Um, and so that's what's worth celebrating. 
but also to remember that the journey is also a hard one, but, it, but the challenges are worth it. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the moment of triumph for you, like in your life when you were like, oh, I think I can breathe again? Yeah, and there's always new moments sometimes of breath, like today, sure. it was like a new moment. I was like, oh, I can breathe yeah. again. So nice. <laughs> but yeah, I do. I mean, there's yeah. definite markers, like when my mother died or you know, my father died, even though those are moments of grief, there are also moments of passage and change. And it's certainly not in that moment when you're in grief uh, that you're able to breathe again. But as time moves on and something good happens or, you know, a memory becomes less difficult, like those become triumphant. And when you see the good of your work in other people or, you know, the culture changing because of the people who came before us or even the work that we do, that's a moment of triumph. Whether other people know it or not, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what about, um, what about the roles that you've played? Like I know because you're non-binary, there must have been and those are, those are, that's a vocabulary that we're all getting used to now. So as you went through your career, there must've been a lot of like, well, this is the way I want to play this. And this is the way you want me to play this. Was there, was there a role that really got you and what you wanted to put out into the public? Like, I mean, I look at stuff like from Slasher or Being Erica or things like that. Like what set understood the way you wanted to portray this character and supported it? Yeah, well, there are individuals like Aaron Martin, who I'm very grateful uh, to right. because he understood who I was and he wasn't trying to change me as some exercise for a, for a character. Yeah, He was just exactly. like, let's get Joe Vanicola to play this part and let, you know, let it, let it breathe, let it be. So Am Amber in, in Slasher and Renee in season two were, we're queer characters and non-binary and I, um, especially Amber. And the more I embrace the language in my life, because it's new language for me, the stronger and the more confident I am. So when I look at a script yeah. and it says lady, which is so weird, right? I'm like, who's a lady? Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So tell me when people gave you that kind of platform. It's, it's, it's more recent. Uh, than it is in my younger years because in my younger years I would yeah. fight these people like a feisty young feminist and they would be like bye or <laughs> right. or or no you better do it and and it was just horrible like you know and so I would yeah. fight like Maggie's Secret when I was young I, I won the Emmy for Maggie's Secret and yeah. I was quite young then and uh, Al Waxman directed it and like something playing 50 oh, yeah. probably and he's like, Joe, you, you've got to wear the skirt or else you're going to get fired. That's it. <laughs> and I was like mortified because I you know, certainly didn't have language in the day to say, you know, hey, I'm non-binary or I'm trans masculine because nobody would understand what that actually means, you know, and I, I swallowed that and won an Emmy, all great, but I never was so uncomfortable and nobody knows what that feels like yeah, unless you right. experience it, right? I think that's the thing about gender expression yeah. that people really don't understand because everybody's so used to the binary uh, and their expectations of what that is that they don't understand how, how scarring that actually is for somebody who, who doesn't want to be that person on the outside. It's very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, I always turn it to like the inclusivity, uh, the need for inclusivity, which is like a core belief of mine that, you know, that it's like being welcomed 
to the table at, in the cafeteria. So if you're not speaking in a language that makes people feel like they can sit with you at the cafeteria, you're not really being a human. <laughs> so I'm all like, I want to make people feel as welcome as possible. Yeah. Well, well, you do. I mean, look at you. You're doing this podcast. You've got this organization and this company and you're doing amazing things. Like I'm impressed with you too, because I'm like, look at this woman and what she's accomplishing and doing for other women. Like that's, that's impressive. I just want to say that. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm sure you get a lot of that, right. but, 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 but that's to I, be applauded. I'm proud. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, it means a lot to me because I feel like it is purposeful, but it's not, you know, it's not just me. It's having like, with the Winnie Wong and the Sydney Nielsen and having their contributions to make sure that we're on track and having like, I know you came and read uh, one of your scripts at our script department reading. Mm -hmm. And that was like, I mean, I just love sharing people, people like you, I love sharing your voice with folks that can embrace what you're teaching. And I wonder, do you ever get tired of being the teacher around things? Cause you're sort of in that place, whether you like it or not. Yeah, I don't get tired of it. I don't because I feel like, you know, just as the adults in my age and time were important and necessary teachers or speakers, doesn't mean that they didn't ever make mistakes. Uh, I feel like that I have a role to play and that's okay. Like I'm, I embrace any kind of educating I can do even when it's uh, challenging. <laughs> and and yeah. I'm okay with that role. It doesn't bother me at all. If, if we can be living examples, then leave a legacy. It matters that you, you live with dignity and purpose and you make the world a better place. It's so simple, but that's how I really feel. <laughs> it's simple, so. but it's, it's, uh, it's work, right? It's actually waking up in the morning and working purposefully. And I'm not saying every day is a purposeful day. I yeah. binge watch the office and I'm happy and proud of it. <laughs> So, you know, yeah. but, but how do you, we're allowed to have fun up in the day? Um, yeah. I That's wake so up groggy, <laughs> uh, you know, I wake up, I play with my cat. I have some coffee and I, and I get to work, you know, usually it's, it's yeah. writing. And if I'm not writing, then I'm, then I'm, you know, working on planning ahead and you know, I'm juggling a bunch of projects right now. Um, so yeah. all yeah, of those things are really important to me. Uh, and so I'm, yeah, I just got hired for a series and I can't mention what it is because I'll be in trouble. So I'm very okay. excited about that. Okay, yeah. And, 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 you know, watch you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, or working with someone else, developing another pilot and writing another book. So yeah. like all of those things are different projects that are really important to me. So honestly, I like, you know, yeah, some days I just want to be lazy on the couch and watch TV and play with the cat and have a glass of wine and not think because mm -hmm. yeah because we all need those days but I have a lot on the go so when one thing isn't working for me I'll switch to the other thing so that I feel like I'm being yeah. productive and that's kind of how I survive COVID <laughs> yeah I mean truthfully you don't really have time for this discussion and if you're writing with your <laughs> Yeah, I am. But no, everything is scheduled in meticulously. So I, yeah. I know everything I'm doing every day. And somehow I, I live, I manage to live well that way. I, I, yeah. yeah, it works for me. So I'd rather that than nothing, right? So yes, yeah. yes. And it feels like also there's a, that you have been able to maintain a sense of playfulness. Like you might not have gotten the childhood that gave you playfulness, but it feels like you're getting it now. 
Yeah, I feel like, you know, I, I'm looking forward to aging in a way because I just want to be have more fun and be more silly and play silly parts at some point in time in my life. And a lot of them have been mostly dramatic and traumatic and all of those things. But I'm looking forward yeah. to new experiences. And, um, you know, I yeah, the door is open. I, I just don't want to say no to, to, to much right now. And uh, I'm good with that unless it's too exhausting and I, you know, I need to take care of myself, but I'm excited about, about what's next. I'm, I'm ready to have more fun. <laughs> that yeah. would be, that would yeah. be good. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Did you find, I mean, it's such a different journey for you and I with yeah. our parents passing away, but did you find that, that as well with like saving yourself some time to make sure you're looking after your grief? Journey? Yeah. I mean, I was a mess. So <laughs> <laughs> like I, w I was exhausted and I couldn't stop crying yeah. and I couldn't even explain the root of those tears. Like, was it, was it the memory? Was it the passing? Was it COVID? Was it, you know, was it post-traumatic stress? Like both my parents were now gone and what's left are the siblings and we're all dealing with COVID and we're all older yeah. now. And so there's this passage of the understanding of the passage of time and, every thought, every emotion, it was all just a jumble in my head. And so I was on the couch. <laughs> I was not <Yeah>. moving. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that's, this is what it is. Um, and it took about a week for me to actually just get up in truth, because I just didn't have the energy or the ability to function in a regular fashion. So and then, and then a few weeks yeah. after that for things to kind of just slowly settle into my body. And, you know, sometimes that was really uncomfortable and I'd have a new, new moment of crying and, you know, it might be something else. Uh, but I think that's what grief and death is. And it, it doesn't matter how much you loved that person and how much you may have had much of joy with that person or how difficult and painful that experience was with, with your parent, like both grief all grief um it has a react inspires reaction if you're in touch with your emotions and you don't run from them and mm -hmm. so definitely mm -hmm. it was it was hard it's better now right i feel i feel better now it's but i i allowed myself the time i i needed what about you yeah um i think I think I do. I said to my therapist, I'm like, I hope I'm dealing with grief. And we talked a bit and she's like, you are, you're doing good. I'm like, okay. <laughs> like I needed somebody else from the outside to be like, you're on track. Um, but you know, it still pops up and um, you know, my father worked so much that, uh, that it wouldn't be unusual for us not to see each other for a long time. And we just keep in touch with texts and chats on the phone. So there is a sense of like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to see him. I just haven't seen him for a while which is a weird, I know that'll hit me in ways yeah. as well, so. Yeah. yeah, and I think for year one of, of anything, like there's markers, right? Like birthdays or holidays or any of these kinds of days that people have. Uh, and I, those are hard when you miss somebody. Um, I, I don't have that experience. <laughs> it's not that I'm- I was gonna say, I don't think so. No, but- but if I'm thinking of you or other people in my life who've lost loved ones, you know, those, yeah. those markers are very difficult. And when you're like me, somebody who had a difficult relationship and they've passed it, you know, it, it just creates a different emotion set of emotions. And, and that's yeah. just a normal experience during, during a time of grief. 
Yeah, my father um, didn't know it was Christmas unless I told him to get out of his office and come down and have turkey. So he wasn't like, there's not like monumental. It's more like I'll cry when I finish a tube of toothpaste because he was so proud of like finishing things to the end. So not the same thing, but similar. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, he was a good guy. Yeah. And your your siblings are still around. Like how, how how did the book that you published, how did that affect your relationship with your siblings? Has that been okay? Because that's really it's very exposing. Yeah, it's it's difficult. You know, it's complex. I don't like to say too much about them, but they, you know, my eldest sister, who I thought would be the angriest, was actually relieved and happy after she read the book. And that, that was a great relief for me because I exposed a lot of her life in my book and, and it was a very vulnerable thing. Um, I tried not to expose, you know, too much, but enough to, you know, under, let people understand what that's like to grow up in violence and how it affects the little ones as well as the ones who are being harmed um, and wit the witnessing of that of your of your siblings. And so I think my, my eldest sister felt like I was giving her experience a voice. And so that was a gift to me because that that was really lovely. Um, yeah, so I'll leave it at that because I think yeah, like the filtering of information is hard on other on family members because there are things they don't know when they read a memoir and they have to reorder their own reality in order to yeah. make space for a sibling's reality, whether they believe it or not. And that's hard, I think, for, for siblings or extended family to do. Yeah, it's hard to recognize like if this is your truth, it might not be their truth, but this is... <laughs> from my voice, so so write your own book. What would you think the challenge that you are most proud of overcoming in your lifetime of what seems to be quite challenged, quite filled with challenges? Uh, yeah, that's there's a few, but I, I think certainly the stuff around sexuality and gender expression um, mm -hmm. in my work, as well as in my private life, even though my private life, I haven't kept really private. <laughs> like people knew in the industry that I was out, that I was queer, that I wouldn't wear the dress, that I was a feminist. And it always was very, very a difficult path. And now I'm like, I'm so proud of that because even though it stopped me from getting work and people didn't like me and they always had a comment, grow your hair or wear a dress, you, know, you dyke or, you know, all the horrible things that people right. called me for years. And now I'm yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> now I'm like, oh yeah, I'm so proud I did that because even though there were hard times when I, you know, like with Al, when I said yes, because I didn't want to lose the part, um, you know, that changed really rapidly in my 20s. And I, and I said no a lot. And that hurt me because it, you know, I didn't work and I couldn't make money and it was a very hard struggle. But I'm proud of those choices because it allowed me to be true to myself in those moments and to carve a path. Um, that will hopefully make things easier for other people, whether, you know, in some way, someday, um, like, like chairing the, the LGBTQ committee and the union for actors and starting a partnership and competition with Inside Out for queer uh, performers and new writers or sparkles, sparklers uh, could even, you know, do that yeah, too, yeah. you know, maybe it. so maybe there's some young sparklers who are queer and, and you know, they want to write something and so like whatever things that we can create for for another generation because it comes from a place of experience and um and the desire to make the world better so that's all of those things have led me to this place in space and i'm i'm proud of all of those things even though it was very very hard yeah but worth it all of yeah, it yeah it seems like you really learned yeah i mean 
yeah, I said this to my husband last night about like, sometimes the most devastating things and the most challenging things are also the most rewarding things because you get through them. And looking back, you're like, I got through that. And saying, you know, wearing that skirt for Al Waxman that one time made you go, I'm never going to do this again. Or like <laughs> the stories I've heard when you, I read about when you were in Los Angeles and you had to train your agent to be like, no, this is actually how I'm going to do it. But that, that kind of un discomfort and I don't know, challenge is also really comforting and, and rewarding. It is because you're ch I chose myself, my own dignity or my soul, I could say, yeah. over the job or the or the expectation of, of industry. And uh, there's no easy choices there. However, in the end, uh, m my soul felt a little uh, better cared for. And I, I can look back and go, mm -hmm. oh, I'm so glad I I did that for myself. Uh, not to say that people who don't mm -hmm. should feel shamed or bad for not doing that. It's just it's a different kind of hard for those who are in the closet or who say yes to something that makes them feel horrible uh, or allow themselves to be objectified yeah. and sexualized or demoralized. Yes. Those are not real choices. Yeah. Those are and horrific, disgusting behaviors of industry. And we must change that. We just have to. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody can relate to that. Everybody's said something, seen something, witnessed something that they know in their gut is wrong and didn't do anything. So those, those moments you're like, I wish I'd stepped up or, you know, we all have those. Yeah, those absolutely. But I feel like we, we're turning I, a, we're turning a page. That's what I think. I think like yeah. with Me Too and Black Lives Matter and, you know, the rise of LGBTQ voices and, you know, I mean, it's a little chaotic, but it matters deeply because at some point in time, I think we'll all breathe a little bit deeper because there'll be more expression, more stories, more visual faces, more races, more mm -hmm. all of these things that will, will make all of our lives that much more uh, worth living. And uh, it will be an intersectional perspective that we all need because otherwise we're all in these like tunnels that have nothing to do with intersectional reality and that is the globe that is the world things are changing <laughs> no i'm still you know you talk about when um people come along and hit your heart like you said something in our script department reading you said and what about what about the idea that like the love story what happens if it's not necessarily a boy meets girl what happens if it's a boy meets boy and challenging even a script that's met, written like a boy meets girl and going, what happens if we cast it differently? And I love that kind of like, you snapped my brain because I was like, yes, let's open it up to what else? Yeah, because that is the binary, right? People think man, woman yeah. relationship. And I'm like, let's really mess with that. Because yeah. if you take that same character and you put in the non-binary person or the queer person and you let that story evolve, how cool is that? And yeah. I don't, think people think that way generally because we're the majority or the top 10% or the heterosexual cis people don't really think that way. Um, but what a, what a cool, what a cool way to think about casting and changing things up and it, and letting, letting people who move into the character or the role occupy it in a way that gives it strength and authenticity and changes things uh, entirely. Yeah. Yeah. It's challenging the casting, I think, is a really exciting thing because it doesn't have to be a story about 
homosexuality. It is to be a story about love and who, yeah. who cares? Yeah, I, love I that mean, so much. I get so excited about that kind of change. Yeah, because I, I think that uh, like it's important to tell things as they are. Like, for example, the piece that I wrote called is called Trashed, and it's about somebody who's trans, you know, non binary, trans spectrum. Uh, who's homeless and addicted. And, um, you know, those stories are just as important as, as the ones where you see somebody living everyday life with their partner and they might just be lesbian and, you know, they're dealing with a cranky, you know, yeah. child or, you know, the drama or the conflict yeah. is something outside of their sexuality, but, you know, whatever that is, whether it's work or illness or some creative, awesome story twist, um, that's where we need to go. So it would be really cool to mess with people if we just, yeah. you know, made that happen. I think that's the truth though, is that we're all human, whether or not we're queer or trans or non-binary or black or white or disabled or poor. I mean, this is, you know, we're all living our lives. And so why not reflect all yeah. of that authenticity on the screen and on the page? Because that's what's going to make a, a rich culture, right? I don't mean in terms of finances, but I mean, in terms of our hearts and our minds and our life experiences and to reflect to the truth um, to people who need to see reflections of who they are. Mm -hmm. Period. Oh man, <laughs> I, yes, yes. I could just talk to you all day. I'm so, I just think you're fantastic. I, I love ah. that you're in our community. I love that your voice is in our world. I think you know, people like you, but specifically you are going to change things just by opening mm. up your heart and letting Aww. people see inside. Well, it's you really too. Exciting. I wish I could give you a hug and, uh, you know, uh, I know, I know. So solidarity. I know awkwardly long. I know. I can't wait till we can all hug again. Right. It'll be yeah. really weird. Cause we'll all think, yeah, you could let oh, go now. No. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a long hugger. And when I say long, I mean like a couple of days. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to wrap right. this up. Joe, I'm going to wrap it up by asking you some firecracker wrap-up questions, okay? It don't have to be fast, but firecracker is? Oh, uh, someone who takes risks and uh, lights up the world. Love it. Uh, what do you want to be best known for? Ooh. Uh, cha cha changing the story. Yeah, I don't know. That doesn't make any yeah. sense. What are two but... words to describe? No, that's exactly right. You got that one right. I checked the back pages. Um, <laughs> what do you? What are two words to describe your present state of mind? Uh, exhausted and exhilarated. Yeah. Um, what's something that people don't know about you? Uh, I'm ridiculously silly at home when alone. <laughs> Love it. I love it. I can't wait for you to do more comedy sidebar. Yeah, well, I haven't really done much, but I, you know, I just need to spread those wings a little bit and 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 find the right piece because I think like that's all that's all about finding the right the right you know thing. Uh, I'm I'm working with someone right now on something that's comedic, so not necessarily as the an actor, but hopefully I'll I'll have a little part in it at some point, but. Uh, yeah, I'd like to see what happens in the future, you know, bring that uh, uh -huh. private silliness out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is that, that's my next question is what is something that you haven't done, but you want to do before the end of your time? Oh, there's so many things. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's weird to pick one thing. So <laughs> uh, I would love to. What's your to... instinct? What's the thing that comes to your mind first? 
honestly, I'd love to do a comedy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. It's so funny. As soon as we started talking and I was like thinking about your your resume, I'm like, I don't see. And I, I think you are such a playful person that it really surprises me that you haven't done that yet. So, you know, next chapter. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I spent a lot of time making people laugh in my life because I know it makes them happy. So on a one on one, you know, basis, I'll always try to make somebody giggle. Not always, you know, if there's something important or deep to discuss, uh, which I yeah. do as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a sensitive human being. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you know, it would be nice to lighten up a little bit on the screen at some point. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I won't be good at it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> okay. Final two questions. I want to pay it forward and I want you to give out a, a, shout, a shout out to a firecracker in your world that you want to uh, recognize and give a little buzz to. Yeah, there's a lot of people like you. <laughs> I think you're worth, you know, giving a shout out to. Uh, Sarah Deacons, I think works really hard. I think for me, you know, I, I'm drawn to people who right now who who are bold and taking space like pe people of color, black people and queer people uh, right now, because I feel like, you know, this is you know, part of the conversation uh, that we're having. And um, there are a lot of brave faces moving forward. And those are the people that I would likely um, honor. Yeah, um, well, yeah, yeah. I think non-binary and trans people right now have to work very hard. Um, and I'm just say saying this because of my own life experience and uh, the education is challenging. And, and it, you know, I, I see that in my own life with my own family and friends and, it's very, very difficult. So um, we, we've okay. got a long road ahead of us. And uh, so I, I think that, um, yeah, I think it's gonna be tough and challenging, but I, I, I'm committed to, to the community and to making, making things better, hopefully, for, for our people. I am too. Yeah. How do you feel? I think this is like one of the crucial things is I know I have a friend who has, um, reflected on the way they are identified and come out saying that they want to be referred to as they and them. Mm -hmm. And so, because I know those are your pronouns, what is the feeling you get when people get the pronouns right? I, uh, I just feel listened to, I feel seen, I feel respected. And um, even when they get it wrong and they're just like, she, and they're like, oh yeah, sorry. That's like, oh, that's somebody who's thinking about it. Um, and, and, you know, sometimes people forget anyway, and that's okay. I don't, you know, I don't get upset or angry when people forget and they refer to me or she, because people are trained and they forget, that's all. Um, but for people who are remembering and trying, uh, I always, I feel like, oh, they, they respect that. And that to me matters a lot, even if they make the mistake every day or every time, I don't care. It's just that people yeah. are trying. It's the trying, right? Because <laughs> it shows that you're invested yeah. in in equity and in change and in, in intersectional uh representation and uh empathy so all of those things are really important i would say elliot page i'm really proud of elliot page for for yeah, coming out thank and you while elliot is like you know in a place of power and privilege financially and all of those things a superstar it's very hard to do what he just did um and that's, you know, there's a lot of stuff we probably don't see and don't hear, but that's very, very hard. And I, I applaud Elliot for being able to come forward and out um, the lives that they impact. Yeah, I don't think it matters how privileged you are. That's a, that's a big leap. 
it's a big leap because it comes with dealing with a lot of hatred, but also it comes with a lot of responsibility. And uh, yeah. that opens the floodgates for so many people, uh, for so many young people and even old people who go, wow, I can do that too. Maybe I can do that too. Yeah. And uh, what a gift. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, I was so excited to, to see that happening. And I was like, this is, this is a good world. There's some great changes happening. Yeah. And I'm like certain it's not easy for him. Um, but what a relief that must be as well to be, to be who you are and to tell the world. Yeah. So yeah, here's to the future. <laughs> I, yep. Yeah. yeah, I think it's like when you know somebody's name and you say their name properly, if it's not an easy name to say, it's just a recognition of your truth, your, the, who you are. Yeah. yeah. Final well, question. Yep. Advice to your younger self. We always ask like, what's yeah. your advice you would have given to younger Joe? Uh, try not to be so hard on yourself. The world's hard enough. You'll see. <laughs> You'll see that you can love yourself eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but try not to beat yourself up. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. agreed. Agreed. There's enough people that are going to be tough on you not to be one of those people. Be on your side. Yeah, I think most young people who uh, suffered, you know, uh, lack of confidence or depression or, you know, have learned to dislike themselves because they've been taught that. Um, that uh, that that's really the hard that's the hard thing that we do to to young people and young people don't know that they can love themselves if they've never um, been taught that it's okay. So yeah. yeah. Oh, you're leading the way. You're leading the way, Joe. I'm so so been looking forward to speaking with you. Thank you so much for your time and Thank for your you. heart. And I I just am so I feel so grateful and uh i don't know there's a level of safety knowing that somebody like you is in our world and speaking as loudly as you are oh my god is this still recording because <laughs> that was so sweet to keep recording it was like too done. sweet <laughs> i mean it <laughs> let's and, keep uh, in touch yeah let's keep in to touch so you can tell me all your secrets yeah right I just, I just, I'm a fan. I mean, I'm sure you are too of Joe. And you can follow Joe at Joe Venicola on Instagram and Twitter as the founder and chair of Actra's LGBTQ plus committee, Out Actra T.O. Joe was also one of the writers of a new guidebook for working with queer performers, which you can find at the link in our show notes. They also produced a PSA called Queer Your Stories, also linked in our show notes. You're welcome. But also thank you, Sydney Nielsen, who does so much background work to make sure you get those links. So thank you, Sydney Nielsen, could not do the show without them. Watch out for Joe's new short film, written and starring Joe, called Trashed. It's a queer Kafka-esque story about when homophobia and isolation break you down. It's directed by Kate Johnston. And you can follow the short film on Facebook, facebook.com slash trashedthefilm. You can get Joe's book at allweknewwecouldnsay.com and see them on Slasher on Netflix any old time. And as always, you're on your computer. Why not go over to our Instagram or Twitter at firecrackerdpt and let me know what you thought. Let me know what you thought of the, the interview, what made you laugh, what inspired you, what led you to take creative action. You know, is something that Joe said that you went, yes! and then you jumped into creative action, tell me all about it. I would love to hear. 
And you know what? While you're online waiting for Joe's book to arrive, because I know you probably ordered it before this interview even finished, leave us a review and let us know what you love about our podcast because every review helps build our community. So I thank you in advance. We always, always love hearing from all the Firecrack Department community. Like I always say, there's space for everyone within the Firecracker Department. And if you're not already part of our Facebook members group, why not? There's tons of stuff going on over there. That's our central hub for connecting with the Firecracker community and where all our event reminders, conversations, and connections happen. Uh, like, are you an actor or a writer? Because we have the script department and writing department as well. Weekly, the writing department posts a prompt on Mondays so that you can do that anytime. Plus, we do a little writing gym with bursts so you don't even have to prepare anything. We do that on Zoom every Thursday. Come and join us over there. Every Sunday, we host a community brunch on Zoom so that new and current firecrackers looking to meet other creative people like you can hang out and connect. And it's always really fun. We drink coffee, we often wear our pajamas and have bathrobes, and that's the way it rolls. We always want to know what you're doing and how we can help you move forward creatively. There's a lot going on, and there's a department and a seat for everyone at the firecracker table. Come find yours, share your voice with the world, and connect with your people. Stay in the loop with everything I just threw at you by subscribing to our newsletter at firecrackerdepartment.com. Big, huge, ginormous thanks to my whole team. I'm throwing my arms up. Ginormous! Everyone who's in Los Angeles, Toronto, Vancouver, New York, and all the way over in the UK. Thanks to all our core members for everything that they do online and off to make this community, this firecracker department growing into what it is becoming, which is so important to me. And from what I'm hearing from the feedback, it's important to you too. So thank you. Big thanks to Jeff Militinovic and Igor Karila for our theme music. We love it. And thanks to you. Yeah, you, the one listening right now for taking the time to listen because we know there's a lot of options out there and we so appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm Naomi and we'll see you next time on the Firecracker Department. <laughs>